What's good? What's good? This is Hector Oliveira, and I'm with the man what always up? on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm with the man always on a mission to find nutrition. Big body say, 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 Liu. Say, say, what's Woo! going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm pumped up, man. We're both pumped up. I'm pumped because to <gasps> super pumped. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. We're both pumped for today's episode where we will be covering a pop culture karate classic. That's right. 1984's The Karate Kid starring Ralph Macchio. This 1980s time capsule of a movie put karate and self-defense classes on the minds and hearts and lips of parents all across the nation by telling a story about a young adolescent teen overcoming personal fears and self-doubt and ultimately facing down his bullies with the help of his sensei and friend, but most importantly, mentor, the enigmatic Mr. Miyagi, played by the late, great Norioku Pat Morita. We're also going to go ahead and cue you in on the personal trainer perspective on the movie and why we think martial arts training is the ancestor of personal training. We're going to also go ahead and give you advice on how to choose the correct fitness training style program and teacher to help you be the best around. No one's ever going to take it down. Such a beautiful voice, man. Thank you for that. We need to go on tour with our vocal talents now that our audio is fixed. And to top it all off, we're going to give you the three most important of the top three questions you should ask your personal trainer before making the decision to open up that pocketbook and dish out them dollar dollar yeah. bills for the services. Yeah, the first mm-hmm. one is, do you have a six pack? How much does it cost? And when am I going to get my results? All that and more in today's episode of Talking Some <laughs> Muscle. In a time of avocado toast eating, top not wearing, beard brushing, beer snob hipsters. Two men, one from the south, one from the north, come together on a virtuous quest to reclaim the true purpose of the pursuit of strength and set in stone the driving force that gets men to move off of their lazy asses. So come and drink from the goblet of power. Slick your thirst for motivation as two men invoke the indomitable will, the ironclad mindset, and the muscles that overcame great odds. Yes, these two men will be speaking of high adventure. These two men will be talking some fucking muscle. Hello and welcome to episode four, buddies. All right, we're going to get hot and heavy in this episode real quick. But first, we need to take care of a couple things from last episode. We're going to do a little uh, corrections corner. I did a couple things on the last episode that I'd like to have fixed. The first thing I did, if you remember, Stacey, you remember when we were talking about uh, Balakaroli, the uh, coach from the United States Olympic Women's Olympics team? Yeah, the Italian dude. Yeah, I, I said he was Hungarian, but he was um, uh, Hungarian-Romanian, uh-huh. so it was more Romanian. And, You're so I'm, insensitive, bro. I know, right? But one thing I also did, so uh, yeah, um, sorry, Balakaroli, you're from Romania, you're Romanian, and you train some great Romanian gymnasts. But anyway, moving on. I also messed up with the Shannon Dawes. I said Shannon Dawes, and I, I didn't give the Magnificent Seven their credit. I messed up. I was a little excited about that, episode. I was pumped up, as you can tell, last week. But I'll go ahead and give the Magnificent Seven their 
credit where credit's due. I want to give them some respect. I want to put some respect on their names. So here's all seven of the Magnificent Seven from the 1996 uh, Women's Gold Olympic team. You're going to have Shannon Miller, Dominic Luciano, Dominic Dawes. That's the name I messed up. I said Shannon Dawes, but it's Dominic Dawes. And Dominic Dawes is OK USA. She was one of my favorites. Beautiful young lady. Powerful legs. I love them squat-looking legs, whether you're squatting in the snow or squatting in the gym. It's all good as long as you're dropping it low. Our favorite, America's Sweetheart, and the cover of all Wheaties boxes that came out after she stuck that landing, Carrie Strug, Amy Chow, Amanda Borden, and J.C. Phelps. So that is our Magnificent Seven, and I apologize for, uh, for leaving you all out. But it was an episode about fucking Carrie Strug, okay? Perfect. All right, Stacey, well, if you have nothing else as far as corrections are concerned, I think it's time for... <laughs> Muscle up, buttercup. Tighten up that core. Because what we were about to say just might hurt you. Yeah. All right, man, in today's uh, edition of Muscle Up, Buttercup, I'll go ahead and go first. I'm going to go ahead and lay it right to the NFL. Here we go. I had a buddy message uh, me on one of our Instagram message boards. Well, he didn't message me. He sent a message out to the group about how excited he was for the 49ers and their first pick. And I sent a message back that was along the lines of, you know what? I can't get excited about the NFL draft or the NFL. I think I'm NFL impotent. I just I just can't get excited about it. I can't get up when it comes to football anymore. I just can't. <laughs> <That> just, <okay. laughs> uh, and here's why. You and I, say, say played near the tail end of, of the hit hard, play fast, go with all your might, and lay it all out for your team. And I remember in films, coaches telling us to sacrifice your body in situations, certain plays, certain situations. Lay your body out, sacrifice it, make that play. Somehow, do whatever it takes to win or execute. And the NFL just doesn't feel like that anymore for me. It feels like the games are won and lost in offices with lawyers and officials and suits and people with, let's just call it monetary agendas in, in their mind. And I feel like the passion is gone from the sport. I feel like from an NFL purist or from a, a football purist, from a football purist standpoint, that I can't get into the product anymore because the product they put on the field is so watered down, over-officiated, and put within the guidelines of let's over-protect everybody to the point to where it disturbs your viewing pleasure or your viewing enjoyment, I just can't watch anymore. I mean, after a few seasons of games with 35 penalties or flags and some of them costing your team a win, some of them costing your team a possession during important parts of the game. Whenever you see in other situations, referees swallowing the flag for who knows what reasons. And what, what I mean by swallowing the flag is they don't throw a penalty on one play, but on another play of the very same circumstance, they do throw a, a flag and cost your team 15 yards. Sometimes, sometimes these penalties are even 30, 40 yards. And here's another situation. Let's say someone wants good field position. Well, all you have to do is drop your quarterback, throw the ball 50 yards, 60 yards downfield. If there's a pass interference, 
guess where they get the ball? 50 or 60 yards downfield. That's like a 60-yard swing. And I'm okay with a lower-scoring game if everybody's going all out. If you can see people going all out. It's like watching someone – like it's like watching jujitsu, right? To the untrained eye, they're not going to see all the nuances and all the slights and everything that they do to get an angle. In football, it's the same thing. Just because it's a low-scoring game doesn't mean it's not interested or interesting. It just means you have to acquiesce as a fan to a different style of play, a more hard-nosed style of play, which is what I like. And I was a defensive player, so maybe this has come from a defensive side. But here's what I see in the NFL. I see these teams drafting high, investing a lot of money in these new players, and then you get this awesome player out of college, and then all of a sudden put them in a league to where they can't even really use all of their faculties. So why get excited about a draft pick? Why? Why get excited? I mean, I'm excited for the kids that come out of college, that busted their ass, and like I said, put their life on the line for a sport that they love, and now they're getting paid and uh, celebrated for it. So I'm excited, every, as everyone should be. They should be excited for the athletes. It's good for them and their families. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of average-ass plays being celebrated and being just like king or the god's gift to football like bro that hard ass hit that you call the hard ass hit that's standard bro like uh, i get it you want to put on a show fans want to see some fun but like seriously bro like hit somebody harder than that like if i see one more person not rap too i like i like it when you hit somebody but if you can't make the tackle you better be rapping that's all i gotta say you better rap Think about how I always think about how many people in the stands could outplay that person right now. They're probably in the stands looking like, "Ooh, I could have made that." Those subtle nuances. They're like, you see somebody cheering, like, "Oh my goodness, look at you know the 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 real person's over there." Like, man, that linebacker keeps over pursuing, or that damn DN got hooked again. You know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so for those reasons and others, I'll go ahead and remain to to uh, keep off the podcast. But for those reasons, I'll go ahead and say, NFL, why don't you go ahead and muscle up, Buttercup? Say, say, you got anybody you want to muscle up? In the NFL, just, you know what I mean, celebrate weak-ass plays. I get it, you know what I mean? You have to put on a show, but if you – if you hit somebody hard, like, to me, that's standard. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Especially if you're down. Like, if you're down on the scoreboard and you celebrate, like, a first down, like, I'm just, like, rolling my eyes a little bit. But it's a whole new game, though. I mean, maybe that's just the archaic way of looking at things. <laughs> yes, sir. It's almost like it's almost like football is, like, a – is like related to Karate Kid in the sense that they're each different dojos, each different modalities – these different temperaments. But yeah, man, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. That's right, we're covering Karate Kid from 1984. And also, how to choose the right training style, program, and coach. Um, so, Stacey, tell me a little bit about the first time you watched Karate Kid, man. What was your experience like? Yeah, kind of just motivated me to go get that Karate Kid gi outfit with the little headband. You know, I got my little karate pictures from back in the day. Uh, I know everybody did the crane kick. Everybody has tried the crane kick at one time in their life. It was just such a good movie. You know, you recognized it right away. Karate here, karate here. 
Karate never here. About <laughs> man, it's not about. Yeah, that's. And you had the same reaction as a lot of people did when they watched that movie. A lot of kids they wanted to go to their parents. I think the the, I guess the putting together of Karate and Kid on a movie title, The Karate Kid, made it accessible to youth. And one thing that's worth mentioning is the rise of of youth classes and youth involvement in self-defense martial arts classes across the nation after this movie. I feel like the movie did a lot to bring people through the doors of local dojos, whether it's karate, taekwondo. I remember a lot of my friends being involved in, in taekwondo and karate and going to karate class and making sure that, you know, parents put their kids in there. And I think it was this story. And we're going to go ahead and hit some discussion points to kind of, I guess, cue you guys in on why this became uh, very desirable to parents to have their kids go through the martial arts instruction. And it's probably feeding into why now in in the fitness industry, it's so popular or widespread to use a personal trainer. Because like we said in the intro, the ancestry or the origins of personal training, quite honestly, is the master or the sensei student relationship. I think that's the earliest incarnation of personal training. Because it's like it's like the four areas that a personal trainer really provides are, you know, the information. I think it's like, you know, the informational, motivational, instrumental support and companionship support, man. That companionship right there, that's so big because it helps build an environment, you know, that you got to have somebody else that that believes in you that might even have been there and done that. I don't want to say might. I want to stress that. That's like that's been there and done that. You know, that, that that's a good that goes a long way. Yes, sir. Let's actually talk about the basis of the movie. It's a fun 1980s movie. It's your classic 1980s story. You know, a kid moves into a new area. Little Daniel LaRusso, played by none other than the great Ralph Macchio. Uh, he moves into a new town down in uh, L.A. And I guess they move out from Jersey. Long Island, where do they move out from? They move out from Jersey, right? No, it's, it's from New Jersey. So kid's from New Jersey. He moves out to California. And it's your typical, you know, kid in a new area story. He gets picked on by some bullies. He meets a girl, you know, starts liking her. But the bullies are pretty badass. They know more karate than him. And they're roughing him up a little bit. But he's having a rough he's having a rough time with it. And he really needs an outlet. He really needs not only someone to make him feel welcome, but also someone to kind of mentor him. He's out there with a single mama, you know, and, you know, holla out or a uh, shout out to all the single moms out there that, you know, try to make a better life for their kids, their sons, the rambunctious yeah. little ones. You know, know, we love those single mamas out there. They are okay USA in my book. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he's trying to make it work, trying to trying to make the best of a situation. And, you know, he just keeps getting picked on. And a lot of people, you can look back on it and say whatever you want to say about the uh, the script and how campy it is. But it was definitely a story that captured the imaginations and the hearts of parents around the nation and sent their kids into karate class. One of the things we have to discuss, the early parts of the uh, interactions between uh, Daniel LaRusso, Ralph Macchio, and Mr. Miyagi, Norioku, Pat Morita. So the early interactions to me, Stacey, were a lot like, um, they were a lot like when personal trainers would work the floor and I guess try to pick up a client. The first scene or interaction they had together was uh, Daniel LaRusso asking for him to, to come and fix their sink. And, you know, he said, he'll come fix it later, later, or whatever it is. Remember, later, later, later. So he says, he'll come fix it later. And he finally comes in to, to fix the sink. 
And Mr. Miyagi notices Daniel LaRusso doing karate in the living room. And the first thing he says, oh, karate, very good, right? He says, very good. Even though if the karate was shit, he still said very good. And yeah, I think yeah. as, as personal trainers, we need to understand that movement is good. And in our gyms and in our spaces, wherever our people are at and wherever they're at and when they're moving, when they're lifting weights, that's all good. Everything's good. We always need to approach that with good, even if the movement is fucked up, right? Even if they're doing shit that's, that looks bad for them or dangerous. Yeah. We should say it's good, right? I don't know. What do you feel about that? I mean, that? yeah, he's, I mean, it's, he's like, it's like if you look at somebody's, that, uh, what, what book they're reading, you know, you're like, oh, wow, you're reading, you know, that, you're reading that book. Oh, nice. Good job. You know, for just even reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And as fitness professionals, when we see people, working out, doing kettlebell swings, whatever these high-intensity movement patterns are, we sh that should be the first thing we lead with is, man, that's fucking awesome. You're doing kettlebell swings. Or, man, that's fucking awesome. You're doing burpee box jumps. Or, man, that's that's awesome. Whatever you're doing is always good. It's always a good thing. And that's a sign of a great leader or a great uh, fitness professional, personal trainer, is if they celebrate your efforts, your small victories. But then he goes into the next question. You learn from book. So he's like, did you learn from the book? And then Daniel LaRusso said, you know, I took a couple months at a YMCA. So it's obviously not anything too established. It wasn't some intense training on technique and skill and focus. It was just two months at the Y that he took karate, and now he's in his living room throwing kicks out of a karate book. So you get your... I'd like to compare that to a lot of the, the fitness enthusiasts that will, you know, take a boot camp or a CrossFit class. And they may have, may do a couple movements, a couple cleans. And I'm not going to bag on CrossFit. I do CrossFit. I do wads, workout of the days. I do that stuff. I love it. It's fun. That's just a fun way for me to work out. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to dog it. But the people that will take, you know, a couple CrossFit classes, maybe a couple months at a CrossFit gym. And all of a sudden they are doing, you know, max clean and jerks at a gym without a coach or anything. And their first exposure to a clean was, you know, at a CrossFit class. Or they download an app that gives them workouts and they're at a gym going through their app. And you see them doing all these movements. It doesn't look all that sharp or crisp. It looks pretty fragmented and kind of dangerous. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one thing to be confident, but then sometimes, you know, we're just ignorant and like we put ourselves at risk. It, you know, I feel like a lot of times I also see people like, Maybe this is a little bit off of the subject, but I'll have somebody doing way more on their bench press than they do on their deadlift or something, you know, and like we're just training like it's very beginner stage. So I try to get people to work in proportion like, hey, think about the muscles you're using like this deadlift. That should be one of your strongest lifts. It's crazy because I, I just get a lot of the times I'm like, uh, you just you just use the 10s for your bench press. Why are you going to only use the 12s for your deadlift, you know? That's right. You you guys heard it from Say Say Man. If you're gonna hit 225 on bench, you better be able to at least deadlift 225 15 to 20 times. Say 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 Say's rules, man. That's what's up. Nah, that's what's up, Hector. Yes. <laughs> right? That's what's up. So then the next the next thing that Mr. Miyagi notices is you know the little bruise on his head, the little scar or whatever from his his fight. He asked him you know how you got the scar. Daniel Larusso told him you know he got it in a little bike accident. Which was a lie. He got roughed up at the beach. 
But with a boot box. Got roughed up at the beach. But here's the thing. As a fitness professional, or as just someone who cares, because Mr. Miyagi is a badass master. He's a sensei. He knows how to teach karate. And not because he's a he's a karate teacher, not because he owns a dojo, but because that's just who he is. He's just in this moment in his space and time, he's just wearing a maintenance hat, fixing a sink. But Mr. Miyagi is a master sensei. He he teaches, he can teach karate, he has that skill set. And as he's assessing the situation, he can see, you know, that this kid is doing karate for a reason. And that reason might have something to do with the scar on his face. And that's getting to that deeper level that you have to get into as a personal trainer. You sometimes have to read a situation before you even go in and assert yourself as someone who can help. Because he hadn't even done that. He's just reading the situation. You know, where'd you learn karate? It's good you're doing karate. In my opinion, it's good. Did you get it from a book? What's that thing on your face? You know, so he's asking these questions. He's digging these questions up about him to find out, you know, What's this kid's story? And I think as fitness professionals, we need to remember that everyone has a story to tell. And we have to get them to tell that story to us so that way we can build value in our service to them because we fucking care. And that's just somebody who cares. In that scene, it's just somebody who cares. And I like how he finishes the scene. He says at the end of it, he says, lucky no, lucky no hurt hand, which means, you know, you're lucky you're not hurting your hand while you're throwing those kicks because his kicks are definitely coming into contact with his hand because his technique is off. So what that is is a comment on Daniel LaRusso's technique, but it's also kind of a dig on, you know, hey, you're lucky you're not hurting your hand. There's a better way to do it. So as fitness professionals, we also need to know how to read a situation, show them we care, and then let them know that there's a better way to do something without without coming off as condescending, being more empathetic about a situation but that's what i got from that first initial interaction yeah uh all the way man uh you know mr miyagi man he he knows how to teach that's one thing too so he he's a, a manipulator of minds you know what i mean like i just feel that there's a certain way to approach it like he he said daniel son learned karate at the ymca uh i used to work for the ymca uh and then the after school program that i oversaw uh, we had Taekwondo. We just did about a couple months, literally, of t- uh, 22B, 22 basic moves, Taekwondo. And uh, it was awesome from Master Moen. But, you know, to be subtle about it, you, you know, is, is the key. You have to help somebody by asking them questions, and that will ultimately empower them. They literally taught us, you know, like, well, what have you done in the past? Uh, what are you willing to do? You know, th- asking like things like this. To, to help people get on the right track so that it makes it feel like they're the ones coming up with the plan. So, you know, it's a subtle move, but I think I think Mr. Miyagi is just, like you said, man, just a master of the art, dude. Like, he's just coaching him from the beginning with subtle little nudges. Yeah, and, and that's what we kind of have to be also. We have to be masters of our art. Take this for what it is. I strongly feel that the essence of personal training comes from martial arts background comes from martial arts training training with a master someone teaching you a skill here here are the tangibles martial arts teaches you how to defend yourself how to fight all that stuff in artwork so it's it's a, it's an art it teaches you how to deliver movement patterns and shapes with your body 
So that way you can produce movements that are either punches or kicks or blocks and defenses. You can put yourself in positions to parry. So you're actually, in essence, training your body to get from one position to another. That requires speed, balance, strength, focus. And as personal trainers, that's what we're doing with our movements. And we're also showing our clients how to get to a physical position in the future, right? How to get to a certain weight loss goal using movements. I think we need to step up and take it more like that. Be a master of our art and take our time. Be a little more patient with the process and put our hearts into it a little bit more. So as, as the story progresses, as, as the movie The Karate Kid moves on, you start seeing Daniel LaRusso going. I guess he drops a couple of hints to his mom that he wants to take some karate classes more than the why because he knows he needs help. And as clients, they'll realize that too. When you know you need help, you know that you haven't learned as much as you could or the best type of programming or the best type of personal training or whatever it is. As, as a karate student, he knows he didn't learn everything he should have. He didn't go through any actual training because when he tested it against Johnny Lawrence, you know, he got handled by a kid who actually trains. So he goes and checks out a dojo. And the first dojo he goes to into is the one that Johnny Lawrence trains at, the freaking Cobra Kai. But in this scene, Daniel LaRusso walks into the Cobra Kai dojo and he's hearing all this fear does not Rebel. exist in this dojo, right? Yeah. The the mantra of Way. strike first, strike hard. It's a very aggressive, very combative. And at first, Daniel LaRusso's like, all right, I... He's walking, he's walking in, he's like, all right, I can fuck with this. I'll strike first, I'll strike hard. But then Daniel LaRusso sees that Johnny Lawrence is at that school and it immediately turns him off. He's like, you know, I don't want to be a part of this if that dickhead's here. So, you know, as personal trainers, we need to be able to, I guess, spot dickheads. Have you ever had to tell anybody to cut back on the douchebaggery in your facility? I want to say no, but I think, like, lightweight... I had, I had to like be awkward about some shit sometimes, dude. Cause I, I'm not good with confrontation, but I'm good at like letting you know, like just chill the fuck out, bro. Like seriously. Like, we all need to have I, that I'll, chill I'll the fuck out. Like we're in it. So we call the place where I train it. It's called the war room. And for a, a couple of hours out of the day, they have classes and then cut the, the clients pay for it. So the, uh, the room is reserved, whether there's 22 people or literally two people. And like, I guess one time I had a class of four and like, it wasn't, it wasn't completely full, but one, one guy who was just there for a membership started coming there and like stretching and stuff. And I was like, you see, we're in here. Right. So, but I don't say it like that. I say, Hey, you know, we have this room reserved here for an hour. And he kind of had like a little, like, what the fuck, bro? Like, I was like, hold on, dog. Like, chill the fuck out. Like, I think we need, we need, we all need to be able to tell people CTFO, just chill the fuck out. Use that abbreviation. That's a t-shirt. I feel like that's a t-shirt. CTFO. Is that an actual thing people text each other? I don't know. I'm not hip to all the new shit. People actually text each other. I thought it was like an executive position. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, C I'm the CTFO of talking some muscle. <laughs> we're fucking, we're co-CTFOs. What's CTFO? Chill the fuck out. <laughs> all right. So Daniel LaRusso pieces out Cobra Kai real hard. Because he doesn't like the members there. He's not cool with uh, Johnny Lawrence. I mean, at the same time, he did just steal his girlfriend. So, I mean, I wouldn't go into a dojo or a karate or a kickboxing. Hey, I want to go into anything of the guy whose girl I just stole will be able to kick my ass in sparring sessions. I wouldn't go into that place. I'd stay away from it, too. Yeah. I mean, because... Nope. Yeah, nope. It's, it's a lose-lose situation there, you know? 
If he kicks your yep. ass, it's, it's like, okay, I got my ass kicked. But if you kick his ass, then you just push him further into depression. And the guy might end up an alcoholic bum on the side of the street somewhere, you know? Which actually does oh, end up happening. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> which, which actually does end up happening. Spoiler alerts for those of you who haven't seen Cobra Kai, which I highly recommend you watch. This is on a YouTube premium. Yeah. What is it? Yep. So go and go ahead and watch the Cobra Kai. It's actually awesome. So that's when it all progresses. So Daniel LaRusso ends up getting himself into more trouble. You know, if, if you guys seen the movie, we won't go into particulars. He gets himself beat up a couple more times, breaks his bike. And that's where Mr. Miyagi steps in, fix the, fixes the bike. Leaves it at the doorstep. Daniel Russo goes to Mr. Miyagi's room at the apartment complex that he moved into. Because uh, if you guys didn't hear earlier, as a reminder, Mr. Miyagi is the maintenance guy at the new apartment complex Daniel Russo moved into via New Jersey. Oh, Anyhow, so Daniel Russo cruises over to Mr. Miyagi's room, knocks on the door. He's like, "Hey yo, uh, wanted to thank you for fixing my bike." And he notices he's working on these bonsai trees, right? And they share this time together where they're taking a look at a hobby or, or a, um, I guess, a passion of his. And once again, relating to personal training, we need to open doorways to our clients and to people who are interested in our product, to our passions. And that's what's going to put that personal touch on what we do. That passion will expose why we do it and how we do what we do. So this whole time, Mr. Miyagi is building credibility as a person so that way when the choice to train with him, it's kind of like a no-brainer for, for uh, Daniel LaRusso to train with him. I mean, I think he ends up wanting to train with him because Mr. Miyagi displays his mastery of martial arts by kicking the shit out of, you know, some teenagers. Which probably should should have put him in jail for assault on minors. What is that? What is that called when you assault a minor? Is it just assaulting a minor? It's fucking called uh, doing what's good for the youth. Shit. <laughs> you gotta, yeah. What is your buddy... What is your buddy... What does your buddy NATO think of? Uh, you you talked to me a little bit about NATO. He's uh, tell tell yeah. our listeners about NATO. Uh, Who is NATO and and, and uh, yeah, just give give us a little NATO insight on NATO. A movie game. I I send pretty much. I can send any snapshot of pretty much any blockbuster movie at any time and send it to him via text. He'll name the movie. He's a movie buff. He actually is the one that put me down on the Cobra Kai. I didn't even know Cobra Kai was a series. Until he put me down on it, I watched it, man. It's great. I didn't even understand that that movie has it twisted a little bit, where Karate Kid is is could be looked at as Daniel's son is the bad guy. So that's a whole other game. But they don't put me on this, man. And uh, you know, he definitely he definitely knows his stuff as far as the whole movie. He, he, he he's the one that you'll ask. You remember this movie? He'd be like, "Yep." So uh, he down. He wants to. Uh, he wants to train too. Like he's getting big right now. I helped him lose weight, but he is now working with some cat to put more muscle on, and that's just how it goes. You know, you gotta you gotta find the right sense. Yeah, man, I I definitely love to hear his take on Mr. Miyagi beating the shit out of some teenagers. He hopped that fence <laughs> like a dude. He he looks like he's about eighty eight years old, but he hopped that fence like he was my uh, my dad when he came over to the United States. Dude, he's like fuck this wall. <laughs> Yo, but I'm tripping though. Like, where did he come from? Like, I was more <laughs> shook that I was like, "Yo, you guys didn't even peep the low key creeper." I'm kind of feeling like I've been had a little bit now that you mentioned that. Miyagi has some—he's a marketing genius, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's a marketing genius. So, Daniel, son, train with me, and the three come free. 
You know, and he got this guy on the hook with some hella chores. I'm telling you, dude, Miyagi's a genius, dude. He he's, a, he's a straight G. Well, here's the thing. And, you gotta, you know, you gotta guy pay right for those services to... somehow, man. You gotta pay for the services yeah. somehow. This, this shit's not gonna he's come gonna, for free. I'm gonna use the tree technique on him because he's uprooted from New Jersey and tries to find roots here. So the tree will symbolize him. That, uh, definitely. It is the yeah. tree technique. Well, what he did was teach him a, a exercise in visualization. Uh, which is important in any type of training. That's basically like a goal assessment right there, getting someone to, to talk about their goals. Even though they didn't set a goal yet, what Mr. Miyagi did in that short time together with Daniel LaRusso, when he told him to see the tree, you know, what it looks like, how you want that tree to behave and grow and look. So he told him to see the tree and then open your eyes and start cutting. So that's a lot like that's a lot like your fitness goals, you know, close your eyes, see what you want to be, and then fucking open your eyes and start cutting, bro. Cutting season, bro. Summer's right around the corner, bro. Time to get on that beach. So When you see food, close your eyes. See the tree. It's cutting season. There you you know, I've been a little more timid on that tip. I pretty much try to stick to the book, which does say visualize. I'll make a tip about it, though, but I always get people to visualize the practicality, I'm like, what, what do you think this motion is going to be used for? You know, what, what is this? I, I say, they say, well, what weight do you want me to pick up? You know, uh, I'll be like, well, do you have a dog? Yeah. How, how much does it weigh? 20 pounds? Oh, you want to be able to rest your dog in that situation? You want to be able to pick your dog up if you had to? Like, let's say I'm doing a dumbbell row. I'm trying to save my, my cousin off from hanging off a cliff. You know, I'm trying to pull him up. So that, that's the kind of visualization that I'd be usually trying to instill the surface level no man if, <laughs> if i'm gonna have a dog that dog better be saving me i ain't trying to save my dog that dog his sole purpose <laughs> in life is if shit hits the fan with me he better know how to like bark for the neighbors like that's the only reason why i have a dog and buy food and give it food just in case one moment in my life i'm like ah it's the big one my my ticker's going this dog can like bark and get people to come and save my ass or if there's a fire it can drag me out Oh, well, that's why I don't have little dogs, dude. The little dog's not going to drag me out of the fire. <laughs> so, yeah, we talked a little bit about how Mr. Miyagi jumped the fence, started whooping ass. Close the deal right there. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, um, you know, he pulls, Mr. Miyagi pulls Daniel LaRusso in, treats his wounds and stuff like that. And so at that point, Daniel LaRusso was like, hey, man, teach me how to fight or, you know, give me some karate. And this is where you get to the why. As, as a personal trainer, you got to find that why. And uh, Mr. Miyagi says, no, revenge isn't a good reason to, to learn. So what he does is he's like, no, we're going to talk this through first. Mr. Miyagi takes Daniel LaRusso through the, to the dojo, Cobra Kai dojo. When he gets into the dojo, Mr. Miyagi quickly figures out that there's nothing but a bunch of douchebags up in there, all the way up to the damn ringleader of the whole thing. Mr. Miyagi was like, damn, these fools are all dicks. Johnny Lawrence is a douche. John Kreese is a douche. All these guys are douches, so just to combat douchebaggery, I'm going to go ahead and teach you karate, and we're going to do the tournament. That's pretty much how it went. I think those were the exact lines of the movie. No one touches the prima donna. <laughs> All right, man, so the training begins. Mr. Miyagi takes his student, Daniel LaRusso, and they start their training, but the training isn't exactly what Daniel LaRusso expects. He's not doing punching and kicks and grappling holds or, or striking or anything like that. He's doing some other shit, and you made a funny point about it earlier in uh in the podcast he's having him do shit like paint the fence wax the floor he's having him wash the cars 
What did you kind of take away from that progression uh, sequence where he was having him paint a certain way, wax on, wax off a certain way? I mean, what are some of your, your takes on that through your personal training eyes? Some of the things that I see was, yeah, pro- progression, uh, muscle memory. I mean, just getting them used to the motions and uh, ingen- in- ingenuity, man. I mean, I've never really looked at it as like he was getting free chores out of the guy, but Hey, if you're going to be practicing these movements, why not practice it with some resistance and get a brush and scrub the floor too? I think he was kind of teaching a little bit more of an intentionality and being intentional, you know, discipline, proper form. Just, you don't have a, you don't have all the money to buy a Cybex machine, but you could do, you know, you could scrub your floor with a little bit of elbow grease. I don't know if you ever had to do chores like that where you got a little bit of a, a sweat going, but I think we should make like a, a, a mop for like bodybuilders or, or swole people, you know, or somebody just extra durable that can bend like hard. These little target brewers, these little target mops, they ain't cutting it. I love target. It's pretty much my therapist, but. <laughs> Chores around the house are definitely no joke if you're doing them the right way, especially when you have two kids, especially if, if you're, when you're from a family of five yeah. and you have to wash some dishes, man, you get them tight shoulders. You ever, you ever, you ever be mad and just, uh, start doing the dishes hella loud or what? Yeah. Like, yeah. if I hear somebody doing loud dishes, I gotta, like, ask them, like, what's wrong, dude? Like, you alright? <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I, I wash dishes loud every now and then when I'm upset. We'll get a little, we'll get a little hissy fit. So you know who else got upset was, uh, was Daniel LaRusso when he saw Mr. Miyagi return from a fishing trip when he spent all day painting that house. <laughs> LaRusso was like, fuck this shit, dude. I've been painting your goddamn house all day. When are you going to teach me some damn karate? I've been doing all your shit. I quit. So before he lets him quit, he shows him practical application. And the practical application was just cueing. Hey, show me this. Show me that. So whenever he displayed the techniques, at the same time, Mr. Miyagi started throwing punches. He was like, Kiai! Show me paint the fence. Kiai! 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 Actually, later on in the movie, whenever he's teaching him punches, he tells him to make ki. For some reason, that sounds like that sounds like if you're about to have some intimate time, some close time with your loved one. Hey, baby, you want to go make some ki? So you see the progression there. There's so many tangents to personal training in this movie, and so many tangents to actually being a solid mentor and leader. And that goes to the crane kick. So the the crane kick for me in this movie symbolizes that one piece that separates your tutelage, your methodology, or your help from everyone else. Do you have a crane kick that you can teach somebody that's completely different from everybody else? They weren't teaching crane kicks at Cobra Kai. They were teaching strike first, strike hard. But there wasn't that personal touch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, dude. You got to have that personal edge to be personable i just always come with the basic theme like i just try to be loud and be pumping you up i try to like not cuss i try not to do anything like that as far as the crowd if i have a crowd sometimes i get a roughneck crowd they like a little bit of like yeah I'm kick your ass let's go i warm up with appetizers so i start off with abs all the time appetizers and then i'll hit them with a couple of entrees which is the exercise circuits or something like that. And then we'll always save room for dessert. So every time they come up here, it's a reminder. I have a, it's like a menu. What's on the menu today, baby? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, we're going to have an order. We have an extra entree right here. But That's good but shit, then, man. See, stuff like that makes yeah. it fun for your for the people that are doing something that they might not otherwise think is an enjoyable experience. But that's cool shit that you do that. And, and I guarantee that's something that they're not going to go and find anywhere else. 
That's that's a fucking crane kick right there. And I challenge fitness professionals. And we're using this funny Karate Kid motif, and and we're get we get real serious on stuff like this. But quite honestly, we just have fun with it. Um, but I challenge all fitness professionals out there to to find their crane kick, find something that they can offer that no one else is going to teach. What about you, man? What about you, bro? What's your crane kick? One, always taking the time to make somebody laugh. I always laugh at myself first. I let them enjoy a good joke. Just like kind of you with setting up your workouts. But I would have to say, I would have to say that the most significant or I guess different thing that separate, separates me is my actual care for somebody. Um, I like to get into the, the very personal aspects of, of why they're working out and really give a shit. And I always talk about how they're feeling while, while we're training. My, my crane kick is fucking, I guess you can call it the care kick. I like to kick them with care. I'm like, wow, motherfucker, here I care. Yeah. Boom, right to the jaw. Yeah. Awesome, dude. I'm not as creative as you say, say, but I'm, I'm care-ative. Oh, shut <laughs> up. Shut up, dude. I'm, I'm care-ative. Nah, thanks, man, but, yo, you care, dude. You care a lot. Yep, so find that crane kick, man, whatever it is uh, about your personality. Find it. I guess another thing I do, because I help people out with their shoes also, like the right shoes to wear for the right scenario, and it changes a lot. Like if I see someone wearing the improper shoes for squats or deadlift days, I'll say, hey, you know what, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go online and find these. I've even gone shopping with a few clients to get better shoes. And fashion shit like police that, comes with it. Yeah, fashion police, yeah. But I'm not a fan of Jordan workout, not the business, man. You don't work out in Jordans. Basketball shoes in general, I don't. I don't feel are good, a good workout shoe. Even though they should be. You're doing all these dynamic. They're like second level. Like, like if you had to go something secondly, depending on the nature of your workout, but usually basketball has a, like a, a little slant right from the heel downward mm -hmm. to the toe a little bit. But they're good for lateral movement. And like if you're doing that kind of movement, I guess it's okay substitute. But I, I'm I'm a firm believer you got to use the shoe for what it's meant for so like i want a running shoe for what i'm running i want a lifting shoe for what i'm lifting boxing shoe for what i'm boxing football i i personally go with turf trainers if I, you know since i'm not bill gates and if i had to buy overall functional i, I like to do football turf trainers i'm kind of nervous to get into some baseball turf trainers but every football turf trainer i had has kind of given me support and kept my bones good and, and like you know less pressure off dude i love the freaking field generals or something what were they called i think they're called the uh, the the generals or something like uh, that's a, that's, they're that's, football turf trainers. We're yeah. just aging ourselves when when we were playing football, dude. Those old shoes from the two thousand ones and two thousand twos and two thousand threes. Those were those were the shoes that like uh, whenever people didn't play on the grassy turf when it was still like the artificial turf, like the carpet. Those were, yeah, <laughs> those were the shoes, man. But they they did look pretty comfy. Anyway, yeah. what do you think? What do you think about this this overall movie and the effect it had on the children programs as far as um, martial arts? As far as martial arts are concerned, I think this was like a big pivot point in in class attendance for youth programs. Oh hell, I, I don't remember. I just remember being in karate class. I remember getting a yellow belt, and I remember kicking my sensei in the balls. <laughs> and uh, you know, well, why did you kick your sensei ball? in the balls, dude? How did you, you got so? How'd this go? You got your yellow belt. He said, here, uh, you list, you list say, say, I'm going to go ahead and award you with your yellow belt. You said, thank you. Well, I'll take my yellow belt and you'll take a kick to the nuts. Oh yeah. Ki-yai. You make ki on his balls. Is right. that what happened? 
Uh-huh. Like, he was going to the first kid, and he would give him a kick. Basically, he was going down the line, so the first kid would do a kick, and he would give him the belt. Then he would say something, the second kid would do a kick and give him the belt. But when he got to me, I just remember that I didn't really – I didn't remember. I just kicked too early, so like I got him off guard. So I was like, hey. he's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he's like, here you go. Can't be kicking your, your sensei in the ball, so I think that says more about your, that your master than it does about the student, right? Yeah, that's true. I was like, whoa, bro, like you just got kicked in the nuts. <laughs> Give me a purple belt at least. Yeah, that deserves, <laughs> that's a that's a blue belt promotion. That's actually one thing. You don't even need to be a sensei to know. You always got to be protecting your balls. I've had, I've developed the, the terrible habit that when I walk in between like a, a line of guys, like people that are talking, like when I'm just walking in between them, I automatically cover my nuts. I don't know why I do that. I just automatically cover it. I'm like, oh, excuse me, I cover. I think it's because no. at one of, one of my former jobs, the guys where they would just hide and just come out of nowhere and just tap you in the nuts. And I'm surprised I'm able to, you know, have children because of all the damage and abuse right. they took over the two years when I was working at this at this place where I was just okay. open season okay. on the nut sex. I'm okay Sorry. now, but at, at the time I lived in constant fear, man. It's no bueno. My defenseless, sensitive balls were in constant fear of being tapped. Oh my it's gosh! No and I feel one of the biggest reasons this this particular movie had a big uptake in martial arts attendance and programs for the youth youth attendance was because of the story. I mean, it's a fucking great story. Uh, we're not going to ruin the ending or anything right now, but granted, it's 80s, it's campy, it's it's the best part of the 80s you're ever going to see. Fun shit. But at the same wait, time, wait, it's did a, you say we're not going to ruin it? Yeah, people haven't seen it. I'm not going to say what the ending dude, is. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. If you haven't watched this movie yet, motherfucker, you already know. Daniel LaRusso wins, okay? I don't care. You, you need to watch the damn movie. It's too old. Name well, the shit, part, but... But I was saying though, like, uh, I I remember like, there's a good versus bad, you know, it it almost said like, it associated the color black with bad and color white, Miyagi goes in white. So it's kind of like that yin and yang kind of thing that I always felt from that movie that I think Mm -hmm. that had an impact. Like you associated the hothead, you know, that color with bad, bad dark side. You had a cobra logo on one and a nice, beautiful, hippie-ass tree on the other one, the bonsai bonsai tree. Morals and rules that they live by with each code. Mm -hmm. As far as the parents rushing their kids into karate dojos and getting them involved with youth programs, it had a lot to do with that story. A shy kid that now got someone who invested time and mentored him. And I think we all want that for our children. We all want someone to invest the time that we can't to help them hone a skill that we can't teach them. It happens in personal training. For all the parents out there that are listening that have kids that are in sports, go see Big Body Say, go see Say Say Liwa at Grinder Gym for those of you out in San Diego that have children that need someone to teach them how to lift. Because just like Daniel LaRusso, nothing's stopping our kids from doing the shit they want to do. You know, they're going to end up doing karate or whatever. They're going to end up going to the gym. If you buy them gym membership, they're going to lift the weights. You're not going to stop them from squatting. They see that shit on social media and Instagram and everything every day, people lifting heavy. So they're going to fucking want to do it. We might as well put them in a position to learn the skill and then maybe learn some other stuff that a mentor can teach them. Somebody that can give them that crane kick. So put your kids in that position. And trainers, put yourself in a position to give a kid a crane kick. Fucking don't kick them, really. (laughs) Uh. I just I just told the personal trainers to fucking kick their kids, give a give a crane kick to a kid. 
you know, teach them a teach them a crane kick, something that you can only offer. Because that's what parents want. They want that story for their children. They want that triumph. Yes, sir. I think uh, you said it best. What are your thoughts, Say so You think everyone should train martial arts and incorporate it to their training program? Yeah. I feel that martial art is just something that I don't know how to explain it, man. It's just a beautiful thing. Basically, well, you how train to take care of right? Yeah. I feel like if there's uh, two trains of thoughts on a thing, why not have both? So Cobra Kai has a set of rules. And, you know, when you live by those rules, certain things happen. Miyagi-Do has a set of rules, you know, and like you can see what happens when somebody lives by the rules of eating junk food or staying on a strict diet. But why not encompass all those damn rules and be able to pull from all of it? So if there's one train of thought or two trains of thoughts, I think that the more you have, the better. So then there's three trains of thoughts. If you have an 11, if you have 11 trains of thoughts, how come you want to stick to just one? You know, if you're, if you're not prepared, then that's, it's a bad thing. If you're prepared, that's martial arts. Whether it's a phone bill, whether it's trying to, uh, you know, save yourself from being jumped in an alley. It's, it's just crazy to me. Like, where does the line end for martial arts? Like, you know what I mean? You're fit. You're fit. I agree with you on this. It's, it's definitely got to be a part of your fitness program. Make time to train some type of martial art, whether it's kickboxing, jujitsu. We all have our favorites. Shit, man. If it's more of an art form, if it's like, uh, like Wing Chun, Karate, Taekwondo, whatever it is, if, if it's something you want to do just to, you know, learn better balance and self-control and discipline and, you know, hone a skill, flexibility, whatever it is, it's essentially a form of personal training. You're learning a skill that could potentially save your life, like Seste said, in, in a dark alley. Nine times out of ten, if someone sees that you could defend yourself and you grab a hold of an arm and fucking stretch them or grab a hold of their neck and you can get yourself out of a situation if you just know how. So expose yourself to it. Take the time to do it. Anything you want to add to wrap up Karate Kid? No. Well, that was fucking Karate Kid through the eyes of the personal training genius, brilliance, that is, Seise Liyua and yours truly. Uh, but before we let you go, we're going to go ahead and give you guys the top three questions you should ask when considering making a personal training purchase. All right, Seise man, you're up. What kind of questions should the people be asking their personal trainers before they end up spending thousands of dollars and some dude that just wants to beef up his social media presence. How did you get into personal training? Why are you personal training? And what do you think your specialty is? All right, cool. So number one, how did you get into personal training? Number two is why are you a personal trainer? Uh, so my top three questions you should ask a personal trainer before fucking giving them your monies. Because here's the thing. Personal training isn't cheap. And it shouldn't be. Certs aren't cheap. Certs, certs can run you... A simple cert just to even get your beak wet is going to run you anywhere from 800 to $1,200. That's just getting your beak wet. Not to mention, a lot of these trainers went to school. They've invested tons of money in, in their education. And they're sitting on student loans and stuff like that. So it's not just some guy who looks good off the streets. I'm definitely... You, I can add testament to it. I got that dad bod, you know, but we invest in our fucking education and it's worth it. So it's not cheap, but make sure you ask these questions. And here are my top three questions. Question number one, what is your favorite type of client? I like to ask trainers that because that's going to give you a kind of look into the mindset of who they like to train and why. And if they give you a generic answer, like everyone's my favorite type of client, just shake them up. Say that's bullshit. Who's your favorite? What's your favorite type of client? Be honest with me. 
And that's also another good question because it'll give you an idea of what they learned from their clients. And that's what you're looking for out of this question. Well, what did you learn from that favorite client? Because a trainer, no matter how much they know, should always be learning. So ask, ask your personal trainer what your favorite type of client is. Question number two, who is your most memorable client? Once again, just to get some, I guess, more personal approach to, to the training because it is personal and you should know these things. My last question, number three is why did you choose to become a personal trainer? And I don't think we need to elaborate on that because they say ask the same questions. You know, why did you choose to become a personal trainer? It's a great question yeah. to ask. Find out somebody's why. Shake them up a little bit. Go I got a bonus and... one. All right. Let's hear it. You got to ask them. You got to look them in the eye. And depending on the time of day, so if it's in the evening, ask them what they have for breakfast. Or if it's in the morning, ask them what they had for dinner last night. And that's an important question you ask because you got to find out if they're crazy or not. And if they're crazy, they're going to look you straight in the eye without even breaking a sweat and tell you what they ate. They're going to, but if they're not crazy, then they'll look away. That's just something I learned. You know what I'm saying? So if you're talking to anybody, you're just looking at, Hey man, uh, what you, uh, what you eat for breakfast yesterday or this morning? And if they if they look away, then you know they're normal. They're not crazy. But if they don't look away and they just look in the eye and they say toast, two eggs and toast, don't <laughs> don't hire that man. <laughs> is that for real? <laughs> man? That, shit, that shit's not true. Yeah, is that for man. Real? <laughs> for sure, bro. For sure. Oh man, my my wife never looks away when when I ask her sh- anything. She just stares right at me. Oh. You know, sometimes in the middle of the night, I wake up. And she's just standing on my side of the bed, like standing on where I sleep, standing kind of over me. And she's just like staring at me. It's a little okay. off. It's a little off-putting. One time she was like, mm. one time she was like, "You were breathing really weird right now," so I put a pillow over your face to stop it. Oh wow! And I was she's like, trying oh, to look out. "Oh, thanks, wife. Love of my life." <laughs> We're going to do some breathing exercises, some extra push-ups or something. Yep. Was there anything you want to change about Karate Kid, actually, if you can think of the movie? Would you change anything about that movie? The ending, the beginning, or do you think it is a cinematic masterpiece? Yeah, I can't even speak on it right now because I don't want to change nothing. The only thing I would change, man, is a really awkward adolescent sex scene between Daniel LaRusso and his main squeeze. I think I would put that in there just to fuck with people. Because I think when well, they filmed the movie, I, was say, I don't remember that. Yeah. I think when they filmed the movie, they were of age, so they they were adults, right? They were both eighteen in real life. But I would just put this really awkward adolescent sex scene in there, just like, all right, guys, they're about to bone down, and everyone's gonna watch it. And parents that brought your eight year old kids in here, no, I think, I, change it. I think the only thing I would change is uh, I would kill off Mr. Miyagi. I would change Mr. Miyagi's outfit. That fool was always wearing a fucking brown dicky suit, full dicky uh, <laughs> Ben Davis get up or whatever. <laughs> now, now I don't even know what I want to wear for Halloween because I think I want to do that, uh, that dicky, the Ben Davis khaki. My khakis. Grease my khakis. That's the Mexican word of the day, right? Khakis? This is for all the Mexican khakis. dads out there. Khakis. Mexican word of the day is khakis. Ready? I was going to take my daughter to the store, but I had to stop because her diaper was full of khakis. Oh my gosh. 
All right, everybody, that's going to put a nice little bow on our episode. Thank you, Seisei, for uh, spending time to talk some Karate Kid with me. I appreciate it. Once again, you're a beautiful man. No problem. Wise My beyond. pleasure, likewise. Thank you. Wise beyond both of our years. And come back next week. I think we're at the point where Seisei and I are going to be able to pump these out weekly. I think we're, we're going to do our best to have a new episode up for everybody Tuesday morning. So for those of you looking, find us on Spotify. We're now on Spotify. Uh, we're on Google uh, Podcasts. Uh, we're on several other platforms. Look us up on our new Instagram page, Talking Some Muscle. You can also email us at talkingsomemuscle at gmail.com. So you can email us there. Uh, or you can hit us up on our private or personal Instagram pages. Uh, say says is... Big Body Say. So hit him up, Instagram, Big Body Say. Mine is Jefe underscore Oliveira, Jefe with an H. So that way all them gringos out there can pronounce it. Jefe Oliveira, Jefe underscore <laughs> Oliveira. Twitter handle is also at Jefe Oliveira. Join us next week where Seisei and I will be covering the young man named Rudy Rudiger out of South Bend, Indiana. Rudy. 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 Five, what was the line? Five foot nothing. Hundred and nothing. Yeah, Not a speck of athletic talent. Story about a young man who ended up playing football for Notre Dame. All right, everybody. Thank you all for listening. For Big Body Say, Say Say Liua. I'm Hector Oliveira. And remember, everybody, if you don't got it, don't show it. Let me tell you what Melvin's Post is packing right here. I've got 411 Posi track out back, 750 double pumper, Edelbrock intake, scored over 30, 11 to 1 pop-up pistons, turbojet, 390 horsepower. We're talking some fucking muscle.